And welcome back to a fresh episode of the Business Growth Show. I'm your host, Sam Dunning, co-owner over at webchoiceuk.com. And if you haven't yet, check out my weekly emails where I share actionable B2B marketing, website, tips, podcasts, useful goodies, and more. You can give it a shot over at businessgrowth.email. Joining me today, I've got Ellen Schwartz. Ellen's a senior director of Demand Gen over at Notch and also host of the Pros and Content podcast. Ellen, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hi. Hey, Sam. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, likewise. Excited to, to jump in. We're going to be talking why the middle of the funnel, not the top, not the bottom, but okay. namely the middle is important for your B2B marketing and how you it can it. really impact revenue for your business for the months to come. Um, so I suppose as we like to do on this show, we don't like to, to beat around the bush. Um, so I suppose to tee off the conversation, Ellen, when we say a B2B marketing funnel, what are we really talking about? Are we talking about like a, a big jug that gets narrow and narrow and we chuck our <laughs> prospects in and at the end we get the shiny gold or is it a bit more to it than that? Um, there's of course, going to be a bit more to it than that, but I think everybody wants it to look like what you described. Everybody's <laughs> really excited for it to just be one straight line right across where they mm. follow exactly the steps you've laid out for them. Um, unfortunately, that's not exactly how it's going to work out most of the time. So when we talk about a B2B funnel, uh, traditionally and kind of most simplistically, we're talking about getting people from a stage of not knowing about you at all into awareness. So that's the top, the biggest piece of the funnel. Um, and then down through um, consideration. So do they want your product or not? And I think I just skipped one, but we'll get back to that. It'll be fine. <laughs> Awareness, consideration, decision-making, and then turning into a customer. Sure, sure, sure. So there's there's quite a few stages, right, from, from uh, being very, initial interest to conversion. Exactly. And it very much depends on, there are many versions of a funnel out there, but that is, that's the gist of what we're, we're going to talk about today. Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to jumping in. Would you say... Because everyone, like you only have to go on your, your LinkedIn feed to get some B2B marketer's opinion on how the funnel works or oh, what yeah. the best strategy <laughs> yeah. is to, to actually convert prospects from initial, first seeing your brand, let's say for the first time, right through to becoming a qualified demo or quote opportunity right. through to one business um, and, and revenue. Is, is the path linear because you've only got to look at a few articles like from the HubSpot blog or otherwise and they'll they'll tell you there's this specific path that people go down from Great. initial interest through to converted customer but certainly from my own experience of running sales calls it very rarely goes smoothly right <laughs> it's never like stage one stage two stage three done Right. You know, someone shows up your website, they understand the signposts, they move on, they go straight to being a customer, just like you intended. Uh, no, no, it's not usually a straight line, unfortunately. I think having that line there, having that funnel out there is nice to help you guide your thought process. And I know a lot of marketers align their content to those stages of the funnel, making sure you've got plenty for the awareness piece to get everybody in, making sure you've got something that pushes them to convert. Um I like to say it's a lot more like a plate of spaghetti. Someone's mm. going to show up. They're going to come out. They're going to kind of loop back around. They're going to have learned something else about whatever your topic might be. They're going to need a refresher course. So they might look like they're skipping from I'm about ready to buy to nope, never mind. Tell me a little bit more about you. So there's just not going to be that's not the way humans work. It's very rare that we say, 
yep, I, I'm here. I'm ready to go here. I'm going to buy your product, especially in B2B and especially mm. in SaaS, right? Like there's just so many variables that people have to consider. And I mean, you even have multiple people in there a lot of times, right? Like your whole buyer's committee is not typically one person. Sure. Unless you found a unicorn who's both holding the budget and making the decisions on your software. Like, I don't know that that person exists very often. And if they're doing their job, they are considering multiple projects or products. So they're, yeah. they're putting you up against lots of things, trying to get as much knowledge as they can before they even talk to a salesperson. Definitely. And I suppose that it gets more and more complex, the more detailed, the more more technical and yeah. the higher price point of your offer, whether it's SaaS, whether that's a service. And then naturally, oh, yeah. like you said, the decision-making timeline is going to increase. The amount of people involved in the decision process is going to increase. Therefore, mm -hmm. this is when this cycle from initial awareness and interest to close customer can, like you quite rightly said there, can be more like a, a, a bowl of spaghetti rather than just a linear straight line that you'd hope would be a, a few days or at least most sales reps would when it could take months or even years. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that's what we're starting to see at Notch too, is that these customer journeys can be days or they could be months and months and months. Um, the longest one that we've seen in our own data was like over 300 days, which is close to a year. But mm. um, and yeah, even if I think what you mentioned there too, it's like it could just be a high consideration product. Think of buying an engagement ring. Think of buying a house. Think of the like going on a really nice vacation. If you're thinking about all these things, you're not going from I'm ready to go on vacation to I know exactly where I'll go with one Google search. <laughs> you're no. just you're not quite ready to do that. You kind of want to know what else is out there and understand if it's the right fit for you and does it meet the needs that you need for that vacation. So there's a lot that goes into it and that's a lot of what B2B marketers have to consider when you're making yeah. all of this content. Did you get everything that they need to, you know, your SEO? I just had an awesome conversation um with a guy named Kevin Indig. He's formerly from Shopify, like all these places you'll find him on LinkedIn talking about SEO, but tying that to growth even. And that's like usually considered incredibly top of funnel to even just bring people in. So it's all something that you need to be tying down to conversion, but it's all something that you need to be considering there. How's that for terrible advice? You have to I... consider one thing very specifically, but you also have to consider everything. <laughs> consider this, then all of this. No, I, <laughs> right. I can relate. Like I've got a very similar example. Like for this, this show, I just upgraded we had a, a Sony SLR for uh, the, la the last couple of years. And I thought, this is adding no real production value, what I'm about to tell you to my podcast. But I just wanted a lens that added a cool background blur. So I was like, there's no real need for this, but I'm going to spend three, $400 on it because I think it looks cool. And therefore, yeah. I spent the next month or so researching, looking at reviews on YouTube, finding out that the Sigma lens was the one wanted. Then I was still unsure, so I read some articles on it. Then I read some right. more reviews. Then I talked to some people that I knew on LinkedIn that had a really cool setup, and then they advised me on the lens. Yeah. And eventually, I took the plunge and bought it. So it was very unlinear, skipping back and forth across different channels, different mediums, and right. then decided to, to invest. Yeah, that's a perfect example. And think of how many times even you skipped back and forth to the Sony website, right? Like it mm. wouldn't have been that you in one session moved from the, you know, like what are what is a camera down through to which one is the right one for me? You would have said, okay, what does Sony have available? Gone out and ask all of your buddies and then come back. 
And so something like a traditional analytics is really going to be difficult to track you. I mean, you can kind of see like there's plenty of things out there, right? But when it comes to just like a single session, which is what you typically get with a lot of these web analytics, it's like, well, here you are, but you left and came back. So that started a new session. They didn't necessarily catch that, you know, perhaps the first thing that brought you in was a really great ad. But now you're back because you've come in from LinkedIn. So bonk, reset. Yeah, for sure. It's hard um, to get that. Yeah, com- completely agree. I mean, as as people are all quite fickle, right? And yeah. when you combine that with investing in something that's possibly going to have a huge impact on your company, possibly mm-hmm. put your job on the line if you get the decision wrong. Yeah. Plus, you've got to get the approval of your peers, your colleagues, then there becomes a lot weighing on these kind of decisions. So making sure you make the right move is is critical. Um, exactly. With that said, is there one piece, like one part of the uh, B2B sales funnel or marketing funnel that you think is the most important? Um, I mean, everybody wants that conversion, right? Like everybody wants you to go click on demo. Everybody wants you to buy. But I, I would say that it's something that people know that you have to focus on the entire thing. It's just been really difficult to do. So a lot of emphasis has been put on the bottom of the funnel because that's something that is really easy to track. It's Mm. really easy to look at that demo form and say, we got X number of people to come in this month, this quarter, this week, sometimes, um, it's less easy. And it's easy too, I would say for that first touch, you can see your source traffic, you can see um, a lot of times Salesforce has that first attributed campaign um, that comes in and says, this is the first thing that they interacted with us, where we could see who they are. Um, And that makes it difficult for you to know what to optimize in the middle, because there haven't been really those those, um, analytics or the tools that really show you how they got from first touch to last touch. And that's yeah. something that's been super frustrating for me as a marketer, because I've always kind of played in this middle space. I've hosted lots of webinars and all been doing the email nurture programs, kind of that jack of all trades SaaS marketer to where I'm not SEO and I'm not, you know, I'm not the person who's booking the demos. I'm not the person who's hosting the demos. I've always been that person who's sitting there saying, well, I think this is something that's important to our audience. We need to make sure it's out there. Um, so it's been really interesting to me now working at Notch, how we're able to see what's here in the middle. And so just to kind of expand on that, what we're able to see is like, uh, you know, example of a blog. If you know that you have a hundred pieces of blog content out there, it's kind of common knowledge to know that it, not all of those are getting hits. Not Mm. all of those are pushing people to finally say, yes, this is a good product and I want to see more. But it's really, really difficult with the metrics that we have available to us to confirm that. Um, there's some proxy metrics and there's something like people would call them vanity metrics. I don't actually enjoy calling them that because I do think that most metrics are important as long as you put them in context. But it's something where like, you know, traffic is not a great proxy for efficacy. You know, you might get tons and tons of traffic to a great SEO blog. But if they don't ultimately lead down to saying, I want to learn more about your company, that's not a good blog for your business. Like, sure. sorry, like there's a good the good amount of awareness happening probably, but it could be the awareness where they show up, they say, eh, and then they never come back. Um, so that's what we're able to look through at Notch. And like with our data is seeing that completed customer journey from beginning to end, what is actually showing up in these journeys where people do convert. So truly tying all of those top and middle and bottom down to uh, business value, really. Um, 
So that said, I'm not going to pimp notch the whole time, I promise. Um, with the pros and cons and podcasts that I've been hosting, I've been talking to people who have been understanding their middle of the funnel a lot better. Um, and so right. just understanding how it is that you start to optimize on these and understand what's truly working there in the middle. So it's been really interesting talking to um, Tara Robertson. She's a podcast host over at Chili Piper. I think she's been a fan of the show here too. Um, talking to her, like kind of getting geeky about podcasts in general and saying like, how do you understand that these are truly valuable to your business? And she had some great great ways to see that when it came to just kind of combining different channels. So, you know, like mm. using your LinkedIn, using your podcast clips on a LinkedIn ad, LinkedIn video ad to make sure that it's resonating. Like, does that wind up getting better CTRs for your, for that particular ad campaign? Because that means that your key audience is like, yeah, this made sense. And I do want to go over to the Chili Piper website, whatever it might be. Got it. Yeah. No, some nice examples. And yeah, you like you say, Tara has been on the show a few times, so she's got some great. Okay, good great past episodes where we talked about website conversion and ungating content and B2B marketing best right. practices. So be sure to check those out. Are you tired of the competition stealing your potential clients and website traffic just because they rank higher than you on Google for the main services or products you offer? Or maybe you're already investing in SEO or marketing but your website's failing to convert your hard-earned visitors into a steady flow of qualified sales leads. Or perhaps you already work with a web or SEO agency, but they're just not getting you the results they promised. Let's fix that. Get in touch with us over at webchoiceuk.com. That's webchoiceuk.com. Mention the podcast and set up a call with Sam to see if we can help you with the results today. So take a quick step back for anyone that's thinking, does middle of the funnel, I basically just want to make middle of the funnel crystal clear for anyone that's not familiar sure. with exactly what it was. So does that just mean someone that's halfway decided that, yeah, I might buy, I might not, I'm about 50% there, I need to see XYZ and then I'm ready to buy. Is that what it means or is there is, is there a solid definition or? That's a great question. And I don't know that there is going to be the same definition person to person. Definitely one of those you get two people in a room and they'll describe it a little differently. What you set up is accurate in the audience that we're targeting. So it's people who, you know, I think there are, and this is something that um, we're exploring a little bit, even just over on our blog, there are different archetypes of people who come to your website, right? There are people who show up and they've done tons of you know you quote unquote dark social research so they've gone into communities to ask about different products and when they show up on your website it's because someone they trust has used the product and recommends you and so it's like they'll land and they'll convert so that could be one journey that people wind up going on kind of from the middle but more likely there's going to be a whole bubble of an audience that's just kind of not motivated just yet to get there. So it is those people who, you know, they've made it past awareness. They're very much familiar with your industry, but they're not to the point where they're ready to convert. And that's your job then as a marketer is to say, to create that demand for your product, but then also to create the demand in a way that they say, oh, this is a need to have, not an interesting to know about or a nice to have. 
Yeah. Long-winded way, I think. There's probably a more um, official definition out there. But I like the last line, especially. Yeah, I like the last line from making it a need to have rather than like a nice to have. So so someone's basically become familiar that they're they're, they're needing this. Well, they're, they're aware of the solution. They know the solutions are out there and then kind of placing it. So it's it's something that's really important to, to their goals, right. I suppose. Yeah. And I think of some examples of that. Like, I feel like HubSpot probably had to do that way back in the day, which is like, they've been around since I've been a marketer. I remember having a HubSpot like printout on my cubicle wall at one point that was like, <laughs> here's the 15 email best practices, right? And so figuring out like them figuring out that that's a really important piece of marketing and then just totally owning it and then helping me to understand that the way to make my job easier is to buy HubSpot, right? To say, we can organize all of this for you. And it was wonderful. And unfortunately for them, I was working at a nonprofit at the time and they don't have any money, but it was still something then that when I got to the next place, which already had HubSpot installed, it's like, this is incredible. And I'm so loyal already. And I want to be a really good HubSpot user. So creating that demand is, is important. But I think framing it in a way that says, you have to have whatever this is, because it's going to improve your life, it's going to improve your metrics, it's going to like, whatever it is, I think that's the thing that people, I see it happen a lot where people just want to say, our product is really cool. And it's mm. like, that's, yeah, you're going to get some people who just want to be early adopters, who want to have whatever it is that that is. But yep. ultimately, to make it a really sticky, solid, you know, synonymous with marketing. I mean, that's yeah. where I play. Synonymous with your industry product. Um, you've got to really know them. And so that's where that middle of the funnel is where you prove that. It's where you start to build that trust. Mm. So with that in mind... A, I'm guessing a lot of these prospects would have probably visited our website. Maybe we're retargeting them with ads on channels that they might hang out on, i.e. LinkedIn, like you alluded mm-hmm. to earlier. Maybe we're serving them ads with micro clips from yeah. our podcast that we think is useful. Maybe we're serving them like, I don't know, customer testimonial videos, or maybe we're guiding them to a useful resource like HubSpot had the website grader where you kind of mm-hmm. put in your website URL and it would spit out some ideas to optimize it and improve conversion rates, whatever. Um, right. I guess I've got a two-part question because the chances are the more complex and the more technical and detailed and higher price point of your offer, chances are these prospects are probably comparing at least two to three vendors. Mm-hmm. Um, so any ideas on how we can make our offer actually stand out from the crowd? And then any mm-hmm. any channel channel recommendations on how you should actually go to market with your mid funnel offer or, or your mid funnel yeah. process in general. Sure. It's a great question. And I think it's something that people struggle with a lot because as much as we all want to feel like we're unicorns, for the most part, there's something else out there that is doing something very similar. And to not um, inadvertently push traffic over to your competitor, it's really important to get this step right. So what we really think, what I really think is important, I should say, is to figure out what makes you distinct, not even necessarily just different. What is so that's like frequently called your value prop. Um, What is it that really takes you and stands you apart from the competition? But that 
more than just being a value prop needs to be what really defines you as a brand. Um, we actually just had this really great panel discussion with um, representatives from Marriott and Geico and Savills UK um, about this. So it's like, how do you lean into the values that your company has or the, um, it could be, yeah, like the product features, but what is it about what you offer, but also how you do business that makes you distinct? Um, there was a really great example from Marriott to where they leaned into not just kind of sustainable travel, but the idea that Marriott is here to help you do that. Like they've got a whole, you know, sub website spun up for someone who's ready to be into sustainable travel, which is because of a Marriott value. And that is something that sticks in someone's brain a little bit harder just than sustainable travel, right? So like anyway, you can find sustainable travel most places, but Mm. you can't always find a brand that's really honed in on that thing and like not just saying it to get your dollars but saying it to make the world a better place you know i think that's important too for like a gen z audience is they sniff out you being um inauthentic pretty much immediately if you're just up there posturing saying of course you know save the planet great great as long as you're giving us your 20 dollars, we'll save the planet versus a brand that says we're going to do this with or without your $20. We'd really like you in this cause with us or in these values with us. So um, that was a kind of a really long winded way of saying lean into not just what you think people want to hear, but kind of do some, you know, business soul searching if you want to go that far and say, this is what we're going to anchor into, which then helps you define your messaging in a way that is consistent. You're not kind of having to reinvent yourself every 12 months because that was that was then and this is now. It's a solid a solid value, a solid piece of your business, kind of a piece of you as a piece of that business that's like, we can lean into this anytime. This is why you would want to work with us because we believe in this. Got it. Okay. Yeah, some nice advice. So in terms of this content, does it have to be on your website or as a landing page um, or are there different ways to serve it to people? Perhaps we are retargeting website visitors that have been on the site and maybe at a certain session times where they, we know that they're partly interested because they've been on a few key pages of our site and we're choosing to retarget them with ads. Does that mean we can serve them in feed content like on LinkedIn or does that mean that we should always try and get them back to our website. Are there there any best plays or anything you've seen work well yourself, Ellen, or anything that you recommend that companies do that are trying to kind of put this into play or anything you've seen work well? So I do think having a truly integrated campaign can help you kind of stick in people's brains a little bit better. It gets harder and harder to track the further and further away from your site you get, but that is not something that I want to encourage people to not do just because you can't bring it all back to your site. Mm. Um, there's incredible things you can do if you're really disciplined about your UTM code game, <laughs> you know, like bringing people back from a outdoor ad. Even if you do like a webchoiceuk.com slash Ellen is great. And then it, you know, it's definitely from this podcast or from a, from a billboard or something on the side, you know, have that redirect to a bunch of UTM codes. But um, what I've seen work best is when you all just like kind of anchor into that one catchphrase, but then more than that, it's, understanding the audience that's kind of ready to buy. So there's a lot you can do with intent data and then figuring out where they play and partnering. Um, I think influencer, I don't want to say influencer uh, marketing because I think that makes everybody think of Instagram. 
I'm thinking more of like a LinkedIn influencer. So like someone like a the Nick Bennett's of the world, right? So someone who's just like totally honed in on your niche. And this could be something like, I think of people who are like in transportation and logistics, like there's going to be someone who is the transportation logistics guru and mm. who wants to, who has already built their own following and is probably starting to offer something along those lines, but like buddying up to aligning yourself with people of that nature. Um, so back to your original question of like, does it have to all be digital? I say, absolutely not, but it does okay. have to be coherent and it has yep. to be something where you're just really ready to track where everything came back from so that you can understand what worked. We're just in a moment in time where you can't lean on gut feel anymore. Um, I think, you know, right now everybody is worried about a recession and that's affecting these. And that's really what's pushing this topic of mm. conversation to say, you have to know where your dollars are going. But I do think that's just a trend that we're going to see in marketing in general. We have lots and lots of metrics nowadays and it will always be a mix of, you know, beauty, arts and science, beauty and beauty and brains, but it's, and it's needs to just be to the point where you're leaning a little bit more on the brains, mainly because that's where the rest of the business is able to lean. Um, mm. And it'll, I don't know, it's probably introducing a whole back and forth within marketers about which one's more important. But I think right now, especially you have to be ready to say this was what was effective and is what we should either reinvest in or expand the program because it's bringing in business. It's yeah. like, we really need business right now, y'all. Come on, like, bring it in. Yeah, so you mentioned something then. I mean, recession, recession's going on. A lot of tech companies especially are making job cuts left, right, and center. Yeah. Um, funding's becoming harder to get. So if we're a marketer trying to propose a mid-touch, a mid-funnel offer, mm -hmm. any tips for how we can... I suppose, get buy-in from the C-suite, but also for those type of signals that we should look out for to then prove that this concept is actually valuable and it's sure. working and it's contributing to towards bottom line and revenue. Yeah. So first of all, if you're in the boat of having been the person who's let go or you're watching your cohort, your coworkers be let go right now, my heart goes out to you. I've been on both sides of that and it stinks pretty much no matter what happens. So it's a hard spot to be in. I think, unfortunately, it's also really underlining this idea that we're talking about, um, which is what you mentioned, Sam, which is that you really need to show what's what's providing value to the business right now. Excuse me. Yep. Um, so the ways that I'm seeing people do this, and again, this is a lot of um, great conversations I've had with the Pros and Content podcast, is first step is to underline your baseline, or sorry, first step is to understand your baseline metrics. So what are you doing right now? And is it converting? So if you are, you know, hosting a webinar, hosting a podcast, are those showing up in your data? Um, not, not a huge proponent of self-reported attribution. There's pros and cons. Um, but that's a way to see it. So if it's showing up in your metrics. Um, but the other thing too, is just seeing, so you've got say a hundred, you know, ebook downloads of those 100. What did they do next? It's a lot of finding how good is that next step? Um, as a mature marketer, it's no longer good enough for you to sit there and say, my individual metrics are great. My 100 ebook downloads is exactly what you asked for. Because what people actually asked for is for those 100 downloads to turn into solid leads. You know, if you're doing the MQL game, that's what that needs to turn into. So in this example, you would want to say, all right, 
on average, these 100 ebook downloads are turning into 20 MQLs. I need to figure out how to up that number. I need to figure out, okay, these were the 20 MQLs. Where did they come from? How is there anything alike about them? Did they understand something better than other people and start to um, really hone that journey backwards? Yep. And then once you start to improve that, what's the next step? All right. Those were 20 MQLs. Five of them turned into a business opportunity. Great. What about those 20 turned into this? And start just like really um, hone. I keep saying honing, but like fine tuning those that journey sure. forwards and backwards. So when it comes to being there in the middle, that can look like the journey velocity. So you got someone to land on your page. How long did it take them to convert to a demo? Because that's also money. Like if you can say, sit there and say, right, right now it's taking about 20 days for yep. someone to go from zero to 10 or zero to 60. What's the right metaphor here? Um, so going from zero to demo, um, gotcha. if you can drop that by five days, that's a 25% increase in velocity. That means instead of, you know, like that means in 30 days, you're going to get double than you would have normally. That's value. That's something that you can show. I've figured out how to really put these steps in the most efficient way or guide mm -hmm. my audience along a really efficient, <clears throat> excuse me, a really efficient journey. Nice. Um, well, that's, there's one, that's, that's one it. example. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's great. I mean, ultimately that's, that's probably the word velocity. So if you can prove that you've been able to speed up the sales cycle and get prospects from initial interest stage right through to demo, then close deal revenue in, in the bank, exactly. then that's going to be a no brainer for the rest of the board, for the C-suite, whoever your management team are. Right. Um, and if you can say, look, this is just a small experiment where we've put together this middle touch program maybe we've won some run some retargeting ads maybe we've done some podcasting maybe we've set up right. a few kind of mid funnel landing pages that have a specific offering um some mm -hmm. kind of magnet some kind of hook some kind of video resource um that addresses our, our prospects pain points gives them a little bit of value gives them a little bit of teaser and then prompts them to take the next step we did that 60 days ago but since then like our, our sales cycles kind of sped up by, i don't know a week or two mm -hmm. weeks whatever it's right. a no-brainer right Exactly that. And that's part of what understanding the full journey can do. I love like the example you gave, I think is great to where it's like we started serving them video ads at a certain step. That's what if you can see that full digital funnel, you can start to really optimize that and say, we noticed that people go from, you know, blog intro blog post a, but then they go and they say, okay, but I have another question, I need to understand what that word means. They're constantly clicking on this definition that we provided. All right, so start putting that definition in the copy, right? Like do a little call out box so that you're not losing them on that page. And mm. then you know, like make sure then that if the next step that they do after that is to go watch a video, say, hey, click here to watch a video. Make it stupid simple because that's what you need people to do is to spend as much time on your site with you, building that trust, building that um, authority on the topic. So it's something that, like I said, kind of just that full funnel view to kind of bring it back to that top question you had is important because that's what you're trying to optimize. That's what you're trying to really just get in as, as straight a line as possible, knowing that you're never kind of going to succeed, but at least helping them go from step one, two, three, faster, easier, whatever that might be.
Nice one. Awesome. Well, then, look, appreciate you coming on. Appreciate you sharing yeah. ideas around all the stages of the funnel, especially the, the middle section. Um, so with that, please do tell us more about how everyone tuning in can learn more about yourself, connect with you, and a bit more about Notch. Yeah, and thank you, Sam. This has been a really, really cool conversation, so I appreciate you inviting me. Um, what I would love people to know is that, as you mentioned, I run the Pros and Content Podcast, which is also for B2B marketers, specifically demand gen, growth, digital marketers. Um, as mentioned a few times, I'm talking to them about what are they doing, hanging out in the middle of the funnel, how are they understanding how to optimize that for business growth? So really tying their work down to that bottom line. So lots of really practical advice there. Would love to see a few of your subscribers check us out. Um, that would be really, really, really great. So that's Notch with a K, K-N-O-T-C-H. You can find me on LinkedIn and you can find Notch on the on the internet. So there you go. I'll put all of those yeah. links in the show notes at businessgrowth.marketing. Awesome. And with that, thanks once again, Ellen. Enjoyed the chat. Yeah, thank you, Sam. No problem. As always, if you enjoyed today's episode, a quick rating or review on Apple Podcasts goes a long way. Or if you're on YouTube, a subscribe is appreciated. And we shall catch you on the next one for more no BS, actionable B2B marketing tips. Grow your business, grow your bottom line. See you soon.